I want you to hear, if you're visiting with us, if this chapel point's new for you and you're kind of checking, what's God doing here and what's this place about? That's what it's about. It is seeing people encounter Jesus Christ and seeing their lives radically transformed. And then it's guys like Jimmy and ladies like Nancy using all of their life to proclaim Jesus Christ. Jimmy is one of the most incredible servants. He is humble, and I am so honored to call you a brother and Nancy a sister in Jesus Christ because that's what we're after here. Because that's what God did for us. Redeemed us, restored us so that we could be a part of his redemptive work throughout history. And we have a particular piece here and now that we get to be a part of. And so that story of transformation is everything that we are about as a church. And we just want to say welcome to that. And if you don't know who Jesus is, we hope today you hear it and you encounter him and your life is transformed just like Jimmy's story. And Jimmy has been uh, by Jesus Christ. So I want to pray for us, and we're going to open God's Word together as we wrap up our series this week called Because It Matters. God, we thank you for life, true, everlasting life that is found in you, Jesus Christ, alone. That you, Jesus, are the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, you have paved a way through Jesus Christ so that we could live fully alive here and now. So God, I thank you for Jimmy's story. I thank you for his courage to allow us to share it and for him to tell it and proclaim it. Because what I know about Jimmy is he is proud to proclaim it because you, Jesus Christ, are glorified and lifted high in that. So God, we thank you for this time. May your word change us. May we passionately respond. God, may we be continually transformed by your word so that we can be the men, the women, the kids, the students you've called us and made us to be. And we pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. We are, like I said, wrapping up our series because it matters. This has been a good series for you guys as a church. You guys enjoyed kind of walking through these conversations. A little feedback? Okay, a few guys. Awesome. Fantastic. There's like one person that's with me. I like that person. Hey, man, this has been in a powerful ser- uh, series that we've been walking through because we're hearing stories of people being transformed because of how we're trying to approach this. That we are trying to help equip you, and here's our goal and what we've been praying for all along, is that all the topics we've discussed and, and things that we have laid out through Scripture is that you would, starting today and forward, continue the conversation. Because it matters what you talk about when it comes to your worldview. It matters what you talk about when we're talking about prayer and how we interact and engage with God. It matters how we engage in the Bible. It matters what do we do in the conversations in our culture right now with weed and wine and all those types of topics to say, what are we supposed to do and how am I supposed to live here and now? It matters when we're talking about biblical sexuality and what does God's word say and what does God have for us? And if you remember, we learned this kind of framework. What's our theological view and what's our relational, our emotional view? And that framework alone is allowing us and equipping us so that we can proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. And as we talked about all these different topics, make sure that you are able to check out. You can go to chapel-point.org slash because it matters. There's resources there for you so that you can continue the conversation in every facet of your life. And through this series, we've had this anchor passage for us, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, because this is the 
bedrock for us as we step into living fully alive, fully equipped to be the men and women God has called us to be, to be people who proclaim truth in every area of our life. It's this understanding from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And the scripture is going to come on the screen, and I want us to read it together. We've been memorizing it. You guys have magnets. Heard kids and students putting the magnets in their lockers at school, just declaring who God is, and I love it. So let's read the scripture together as our foundation for this whole series, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This passage is so fundamental in our understanding of the culture around us, who we are, why we're here, and what we're supposed to be doing while we are here on this earth is so that we can be used by God who has ways and thoughts that are higher than ours. And God wants to bring us into his story of redemption, just like the guy who shared the truth of who Jesus is with Jimmy in the yard. He wants to use you today to be a voice of truth in someone's life so that their lives are transformed from that. This passage is powerful for us to lay that foundation that we would truly have our prayer is a biblical worldview where we think God's thoughts about the issues that we face in life. That's that biblical worldview and where the foundation and it comes from in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Today as we wrap up, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 and we're going to walk through a little bit of a text here to help us proclaim the truth and really ask the question, why should we proclaim truth and how should we proclaim truth? What does that really look like and what does that mean? To give you a little backstory as you're turning there, First Peter, Peter is writing to a group of Christians that have been dispersed all across Asia Minor. And he's writing, hey guys, I know you're dispersed. You, you feel like you've been sent out into a culture that's against you. You've been sent out into a culture that thinks differently than you. You've been placed in a unique and somewhat challenging or difficult situation because of your faith now in Jesus Christ. I would argue for us today that we live in a very similar place. That though we live in West Michigan, we've been sent out to our workplaces and our schools and our homes and our neighborhoods to our Thanksgiving tables that we'll go to in a couple days. Facing challenges and different thoughts and different views about the world and different understandings of God and God's word, you have been placed into that environment. And Peter's writing to a group who feels a little bit of the pressure. And I think our culture is feeling the pressure in some ways. And what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, knowing that backstory that they're coming from a place of challenge and places of difficulty, he writes to them in verse 13. You can read along with me. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being, pre, pre, excuse me, being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the, righteous, uh, for the righteous, for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, 
but made alive in the spirit in which he went to the prisons and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. This passage, Peter writes, is to encourage, to spur them on, to proclaim truth, even when it seems that the world around them is changed, that it's against, that it has a different view of the world. He says, stand up and speak out the truth of who Jesus is. What we find in our culture today, Barna did a study in, in this. They said that truth is increasingly regarded as something felt or relative rather than something known or absolute. We step into a day and an age where phrases like your truth, you believe your truth, even phrases that seem as silly as this, but you do you. Like, whatever makes you happy, whatever feels good, whatever you think is okay, just go and do it. Because who are we to tell you, based on our circumstances, what is good or bad in your circumstances? That your truth is your truth. But friends, I'm here to tell you today that there is a truth. And that truth is not an idea or a philosophy. That truth is not some way of thinking or way of acting. But that truth, in fact, is one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. That John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Truth for us is not an idea or a social common good. Truth is a person. And we cannot define morality apart from Jesus Christ. We cannot define truths apart from knowing who he is. That's what Peter is after in this passage with this churches that are spread across Asia Minor in difficult circumstances, that you would be people who speak truth. The problem we find ourselves is, is that even people who claim Christ don't actually believe they should speak about Christ. Same research they were talking about in Barna's study is that they find millennials are less likely to share who Jesus is because they think evangelism is wrong in some ways. Now, this is nuance, and there's lots to that study as well. But because we walk into a place where we don't want to offend anybody, but what we see in the life of Jesus is something wildly different than when he, the way, the truth, and the life lives and interacts with people. People are changed. They are transformed because of who he is. And here's this idea. In a culture where truth seems to be shifting, that we can't put our finger on it, it seems to be moving all the time. In a culture where truth seems to be shifting, Jesus is the clear and unchanging truth. Just want to just get that out there. This is where we come from because of our biblical worldview, because we believe God has presented himself in such a way that then it determines our emotional and our relational view. It doesn't go the other way. Because of the culture and what's happening in the cultures and people's thoughts and feelings, it doesn't determine our view of God, but God declaring who he is determines our view and how we act in that manner. That is how we interact and how we step into a culture who may disagree with us, who has different views. We are not, the series, because it matters, has not been a way for you to kind of put ammo so that you can just unload on the people who don't believe the way you believe. But in fact, it equips you to have a conversation so that people's lives are transformed as you proclaim who Jesus is. In the passage we see, and, and that there's one big idea that drives this thing. Verse 15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. We cannot claim Christ and proclaim him unless we stand on that foundation, that we claim Jesus Christ as Lord, that he is who he says 
he is. And here's this idea if you're filling the blanks, is we proclaim Christ when we claim him as Lord. This is the foundation. This is the step one to proclaiming truth. It is knowing truth. And he is here. When we claim him as Lord, then we can proclaim him. It's not about an agenda. It's not about a philosophy or an idea. It is about a person. It is about who he is. And here's what I want you to understand. Is we can claim Christ. We can claim salvation. And we can claim hope in the midst of difficult circumstances and trials. Because hear this good news this morning. Jesus has already laid a claim on you. He says, you right there, you are mine. We can claim him because he's already claimed us. He has claimed each and every one of us in this place. And in fact, earlier in the passage in 1 Peter, it tells us this. 1 Peter uh, in, excuse me, 1 Peter 18 and 19, it says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, or, uh, not with perishable things but with imperishable things, not silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. You have been purchased. He has laid claim to your heart and your soul for all eternity. The question is now, are we claiming him as Lord? This is the confession of faith that we stand on, that Jesus is a Lord, and because he is Lord, everything in our lives bows down to that truth. Everything, our finances, our relationships, our jobs, everything we do, we bring them to God. I submit this to you. Jesus, what would you have me do? How is my life to be used for your kingdom and your name and your renown here in my home, in my job, and everywhere else? How can you use me, God? We find this unbelievable life-giving power because Jesus already laid claim to us. He continues to transform us. And here's our hope is that you would proclaim the truth so that others can claim Jesus Christ as Lord. This is our hope and our prayer, that you would proclaim Jesus being saved and redeemed. You would open your mouths and you would speak with all that you have about who Jesus is and what he has done in your life to bring you from death to life that he has saved you from your sins, that he takes somebody and he makes them new. We heard that in Jimmy's story. He saw a guy he grew up with was doing the same things he was involved in, but Jimmy looked at him and he said, there is something different about that guy. And that guy in the yard was not only living and acting different, something looked visibly different, he then brought his words and proclaimed the truth. And because of that, Jimmy is here in this place and making a difference for the kingdom of God. That right there, my friends, is what we hope for you, is that you've encountered Jesus and then you begin to proclaim him everywhere you go. It starts with this understanding in verse 15 that you honor Christ the Lord as holy. And what that means for us is this, continuing in that verse, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We proclaim Christ with gentleness and respect. It is not standing up and yelling at people and saying, you are wrong. Think about this. If you've read any of the stories 
of Jesus' interactions with people, where lives are transformed, where sinners find life. He comes to them, and he has a conversation with them. John 4, the woman at the well, has a lengthy conversation and eventually uncovers her heart and her need, and she realizes her great need for a Savior because she's been trying to fill the void in her heart with other things and other people. She then goes and proclaims because she's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think about Zacchaeus. He's in that tree, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus up there, I'm going to your house today, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to have a meal, and we're going to talk. And in that, we see Zacchaeus is transformed, and then he has to go and tell other people, I was wrong. I sinned against you. Here's your money back, and here's four times as much because what I did was wrong. You see Jesus walking time and time again with people, having conversations, helping them come to life through that, helping them see who he is and the immeasurable love that he has for them. It's the reason why many of us are in this room today is that God poured out his grace and his mercy and redeemed us, but it took us realizing our great need for him. And when we realize our need for him, we begin to understand that we must proclaim him. It's not an option. It's not for someone else. It's for us. It's for me, and it's for you. Why do I say that? Because Peter encourages the same group of people in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, a people that have been claimed by Jesus Christ. You are mine. You are mine, he says. And here's what you do because of that being possessed and being claimed by Jesus Christ. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. The excellencies of Jesus the Christ. Who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You once were not a people. You once were not claimed. But now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy. But now you have received his mercy. He says, I claim you. And now I want you to go and proclaim the excellencies of me who's called you out of darkness into life, who's called you from death to life, who has poured out his mercy on you. This is what we get to do as followers of Jesus. That we would go and tell, that we would go and proclaim who he is. And we do that with gentleness and respect. What's interesting in that verse is verse 16. Having a good conscience I want you to understand something today. Your conscience can be clear when you claim Christ. Your conscience can be clear when you claim Christ. And here's why. Here's why. If you realize who he is, it changes us. And when you claim him, you fulfill what he has called you to do. So I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you a question Are you proclaiming Christ? Are you proclaiming the truth of who he is? If we're honest with ourselves, I think many of us in this room would say, probably not the way that he's asked me to. Why, church? Why? 
why is it so difficult to proclaim him? Why is it so hard? Because we don't claim him truly as Lord. Because we don't truly see who he is. And even in this very moment, I'm convicted of standing in the line at Meyer yesterday, and a lady walked by, because I'm having to wait, because that self-checkout thing's always so annoying. So annoying. Never works. Whatever. Um, God told me to tell someone, Jesus loves you and cares for you. And I just wanted to get home and make sure dinner was ready to go. This wasn't in first service, so this is truly raw and real for you guys in second service. I messed up. I messed up because I was told by God, something in me said, proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. And I didn't do it. Why? Because in that moment, I failed to submit to him as the Lord of all my life. In that moment, I forgot who's in charge in that moment, I chose to place my comfort and my desires and my, this is socially awkward, above Jesus the Christ. And I didn't speak out. I didn't proclaim the truth. Why do we do that? Because ultimately we find in this passage, first chapter 3, who's there to harm you? Who's there to harm you? I think ultimately we're afraid of the world. We're afraid of what others will think. We're afraid of what might happen to us. And we don't step up and we don't speak out who Jesus really is. We're not claiming him like we should. And so I wonder for us as a church today, What does it look like for you to proclaim Christ as Lord? What does it truly mean to speak out the name of Jesus? I remember in high school, kind of as I was growing in my faith and learning, I heard a quote uh, attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and it said, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Oh, that's a great slogan, you know. That's a great sticker and a bumper sticker somebody should put so that we live like Jesus wants us to live. But here's the reality. If we don't speak out, how will they hear? How will they know? Romans ten fourteen tells us this. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And that ain't my job only. That's our job. To preach the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into light. To lift up the name of Jesus so that other people can be saved. But yet we don't proclaim and we don't preach because we don't sometimes see him as the full Lord of all that we are. The passage goes on to say, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As they're written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord 
who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. My friends, today I just invite you. I invite you to respond to the gospel. The good news of what God has done to redeem you and redeem others around the world to himself. I invite you to be saved. Luke, I've gone to church my whole entire life. Fantastic. That's awesome. Is Jesus your Lord? Luke, but I, I, I give to charitable organizations. Awesome. That's so cool. I'm pr- Thank you. God bless you. Is Jesus Lord? And for many of us in this room even, we need to treat Christ as Lord. We need to claim him as Lord. That means we surrender all that we are to him. It means every ounce of us for him to do with and to lead and to guide however he sees fit. And everywhere we go, we are to proclaim the truth of who he is and what he's done so that people like Jimmy can meet him, so that people like your coworker can meet him, parents, so that your kids can meet him. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into light. This is how your conscience can be clear when you claim Christ, is when you submit everything that you are to him so that others can hear who he is. Your conscience can be clear when it's not divided. It can be good when it's focused on him and who he is. So church, friends, first-time guests, I invite you today to claim Christ. And if you don't know what that is, man, I want to talk to you about that. Some friends in our prayer room would love to talk to you about that. How you can know and walk in the power of Jesus Christ. Being full of the Holy Spirit so that you can have the conversations from a theological view and guide it so that other people can encounter him so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, so that you can make him known in every area of your life when you submit to him, when you claim him as Lord. We can't proclaim him if we haven't claimed him as Lord. We just can't in every area of our life. The good thing is, is when we make missteps, God is gracious to forgive, and he's there to lead us and to guide us by his Spirit. I invite you to trust in him. And if you know him, I want you to hear this loud and clear. We cannot proclaim him as a church if you are not proclaiming him as a church. Does that make sense? We can't do this unless you are speaking up in your world, in your sphere of influence, speaking up the name of who Jesus is. Because we don't have access to the people that you have access to. We're not in the places that you are in all the time. 
when we do this together as a chosen people, a people bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we get to be a catalyst for spiritual awakening, but we can't be a catalyst if you're not a catalyst. If you're not opening your mouth and speaking who Jesus is, we can't do it collectively, and I believe God has something so big in mind for us as a church to see people redeemed and restored and to find life for the first time and for eternity. God wants to use each and every one of you in this place. Claim him as Christ, the Lord, today. And walk in the power of his Holy Spirit and proclaim him. Open your mouth and speak the name Jesus. As the band comes out, I just invite you in this moment to ask that question again to yourself. Am I proclaiming Christ? Am I lifting up the name of Jesus in my life, with my actions and with my words? Am I doing that? And if the answer is no, ask yourself the next question. Why not? Don't fear man or culture or changing ideas. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him, Hebrews tells us, endured the cross, scorning its shame, so that you may have life everlasting. Fix your eyes on him. The same Peter who wrote these words is the same Peter who walked on water, but he took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink into the water. He's also the same Peter who denied Jesus Christ whenever the night of his crucifixion says, I'm not with him. But God restores and God redeems and God is willing to redeem anyone from anything at any time. Amen? This is what we stand for. That we will proclaim his excellencies because he is worth it. And because you're worth it, he came to save and redeem you. And because your friend and your neighbor and your coworker is worth it, God is asking you to open your mouth. Proclaim the truth. He's asking us to be a part of his story. The redemptive work continues through you and I as we open our mouths and proclaim the truth. Jesus is who he says he is. You better believe he got out of that grave three days later. Because there's life in him. May we respond with all that we are. And to give us space to do that, we're going to sing a song. We're going to respond in singing, but more importantly, our hearts being lined up with him. So that when you walk out of these doors, your mouth's open. And when you walk out of these doors, your mouth proclaims Jesus. Let's worship him.